Song Surfers, welcome to Song Surfing. It's your friend John. Song Surfing is a bi-weekly playlist of independent music pulled from the far reaches of the internet. Song Surfing is a part of the Live from the Lincoln Lodge podcast network. Head over to thelincolnlodge.com to explore the other shows on the network and to learn more about the venue that's home to the nation's longest-running independent comedy showcase. On this edition of Song Surfing with Friends, I'll be joined by John Silvers, multi-instrumentalist, instrumental film composer, independent recording artist, and private music instructor. Born in San Jose, California in 1976, John was the son of a musician and found an interest in music at a very early age. He's released two EPs in 2020, Kimmy's Hope and Another Point of Us, as well as a number of singles, and has several upcoming projects, including the release of a series of four EPs and a film score. Hi, John. Welcome to Song Surfing. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, enjoying my summer break here. I'm a, I'm a teacher, a uh, band director, and so this is uh, finishing up the first week I've had off um, where I've kind of had to force myself to relax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to uh, bring yourself um, back down when you've been, yeah, when you've kind of been flying for so long, you know? So we talked a little bit before recording, and you said that you're working on a, a film score that you're pretty busy right now yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, it, it was it was really cool how it kind of came about because, um, you know, Clubhouse has been like this big thing that's been going on for musicians, and I, I'm sure you've heard about it, or maybe you're even on it. But uh, um, I've heard about it, but I don't really know too much about it. Yeah, so it's an app where it's it was an app I think that was originally created for like a lot of creatives, um, whether you're a painter or an artist or as a, especially a musician. Um, and I've met so many good people in there, and there was one particular room um, that was called um, "Find Your North," and it was basically all about these people who were actors and. Um, uh, musicians and artists and uh, uh, just trying to kind of build their career and build each other up and it was such a positive and beautiful room and from uh, meeting a couple of actors in there uh, one of the ones who started the room the next thing I, I knew they, they had me play uh, in the room and they were I guess they were just blown away and uh, the next thing I knew I was signed to do a film <laughs> Um, a long wow. film, which which is which is really cool because I've always kind of written for like short film, and this was going to be like more of a feature length film. Yeah, like what an honor, you know. I'm I'm yeah. I'm kind of blown away. <laughs> What's the name of that room again? Uh, so the name of the room is uh, Find Your North. They're not doing it quite as often now because I know the you know the main guy his uh, you know his wife is pregnant and he's waiting like any day <laughs> you know probably within the next month or so and and uh, so they're taking a little time off right now but uh, it's just been an uplifting thing for it's just so amazing the people that we have come through there are from everywhere in the world. And they're just people who are just trying to uh, take take their poetry or their art and uh, to to the next level, and and the room is just so uplifting and positive. Well, that's interesting that it's artists from different um, how do I say this different art forms. 
right? right. It's not just musicians in the in the group. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, which is what I found intriguing about it to begin with. I really, I really felt like I was going in the right direction musically, but I also, it's like I didn't have a clear path as to what I really wanted to do. And uh, I knew I wanted to do short films. I had tried to do a couple of short films before, and one where like the the budget ran out, and the other one where the person was just impossible to work with. <laughs> And um, and then this was just just a beautiful manifestation of uh, kindness uh, from people who uh, they heard what I did and really liked it. Uh, I felt very blessed, you know. Yeah, well, it's great that you made some new connections. But I think more than that, it sounds like it helped uh, uplift your art form and maybe uh, kickstart things a little bit for you. Just get you yeah. feeling like you're on track creatively. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, I, I, I've been a musician, like, you know, most of my life. I mean, God, since I was 16. And I've been writing in this way to where there's not really a, a genre <laughs> that, that it fits into properly, except for maybe instrumental film. So it really never found a home anywhere. And now all of a sudden, it seems like not only is it finding a home here, but I'm, I'm getting other phone calls and other offers and other creative, I, you know, endeavors and it's just been it's been unbelievable how did you get started in music i got started really early at about the age of eight um my father was uh, a musician and uh he played all around the bay area here in uh you know san jose san francisco and and all you know in california and i took up the keyboard (laughs) when i was eight and i got really really uh good at it pretty quick it was just, I guess it was just in the, the genes, you know, the blood. <clears throat> was it a lot of playing by ear or? Yeah, it was lessons? almost, it was almost all playing by ear. As a matter of fact, there's kind of like a, a great little story. There was a, a baby, uh, a babysitter that was sitting us <laughs> who was a neighbor. My mom came to pick us up and, uh, and she asked my mom, Hey, you know, how, how long is your son taking piano lessons for? And, uh, my mom says, my, my son doesn't play music. Oh you know? man! <laughs> and and it's surprise. T- so, yeah, I guess what I was doing was I was listening to the commercials, and then playing the commercials on the on the on the piano. It's a story I've heard my mom tell over and over again. I don't fully remember it, but I, I remember it was something like that. And how old were you? I was eight. Wow. Okay. So it was yeah. just that growing up around music developed the ear. Yeah. My my father he. He was just this incredible musician. I mean, I, I, and it's not like touting because he's a relative, <laughs> you know. He had the most incredible voice I had ever heard. Honestly, it was just phenomenal. Uh, he would do things like enter into a, like Elvis sing-along contest, not look-alike, but sing-along. Uh, <laughs> or not, not sing-along, sing-alike, excuse me. And, and he would win every time. I mean, he was just, it was just uncanny how good his voice was. He had fans, everybody from like upper class people, <laughs> like rattling their jewelry, right? You know, to bikers who just loved him, you know, and, and they would have him do these like big biker conventions. And he was a very, very, you know, just a unique soul that people kind of just gravitated to him no matter where they were from, who they were. He just had that about him. So I think I got, you know, his love of music, there was literally music playing in our house like 24-7. So much more music playing than, than ever TV being watched. 
Yeah, that's incredible. So you were yeah. absorbing all that uh, at the age when you would learn language. You were learning the language of music as well. It's something I look back on now, and it's like I'm so grateful that he gave me this like deep love for it because it's yeah I just uh, I I can't imagine a, a life without it you know. So how does this eventually lead to film composition? I started out doing like a lot of folk songs when I was like 16, and then when I got a little older, I kind of got into metal for a while, and then I got into <laughs> uh, jazz and blues. I was really heavy into jazz and blues throughout my uh, 20s and early 30s. Uh, especially, I really got into jazz in my early 30s. And then I just felt like the stuff that I was writing, not the stuff that I was trying to like solo over or the stuff that I was trying, but the stuff that I was writing was so much different from anything that I was playing. And the stuff that I was playing wasn't, it wasn't giving me satisfaction the way that I thought it should. And I really, really just started to slow down and I started to, um, I started to listen as much as I could to these, uh, I, I would watch these scenes in these films where the music is just like absolutely perfect. And I, I just really wanted to start telling a story, especially when I started having throat problems and I could no longer sing and I no longer had the ability to do that anymore. It's like I was almost kind of forced to become an instrumentalist. And then I had to ask myself, well, what kind of instrumentalist do I want to be? And I just got into writing in that style, and uh, and I never stopped. I just fell in love with it, uh, of that being able to tell a story without the benefit of the human voice. So that limitation focused you a little bit, would you say? Oh, absolutely, 100%. It changed everything, and, and for the first time, I was really, really happy with the stuff I was doing. So can you tell us about your EPs? Probably the most interesting between, well, I, th I think they both have an interesting story, but certainly another point of us was, uh, it was something that I thought was going to be the very first thing that I actually put out into the world. A lot of me thought it was going to be my last. I had had a, this kind of run of, I just call it a run of bad luck. It was just seven years of just one thing after another. And uh, I lost my father, I got really sick, I almost died. My wife and I split up, and before I knew it, I had basically lost my home and everything I had with the exception of my clothes and two ukuleles. And I actually was living out of my car for two years. And I actually, um, I began writing that EP while I was living in my car. I, I remember saying to myself, you know, uh, and, Luckily, my, my uncle, who's not actually my uncle, but he was my dad's best friend, he would let me come over on the weekends and, uh, to, you know, he would just take care of me and, and just, you know, cook me breakfast. And, you know, he did what he always did for my dad, which is just be an, an amazing friend. And uh, so I was able to take those breaks over there and do some writing, you know, and then we started messing around with recording equipment. And then we realized, well, geez, you know, we're going to need like an iPad. And so we were kind of stuck. And then I remember it was like two days after that, my, my sister called me and told me she, she bought herself a brand new iPhone and they gave her a free iPad. And did I want it? Hmm. <laughs> and I said, hell yeah, I want it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And that was how Another Point of Us was born. And the production on it is not great. <laughs> it was my first attempt. Uh, I didn't have anyone to produce it for me, but I keep it there as a reminder that this was kind of like the beginning of something beautiful. 
So your second EP, uh, can you tell us about that one? I had met this young girl from Brazil who was running a fan site for an artist that we both really liked. And um, I had actually known her, I had known her for a couple of years uh, through the fan site. But uh, when I got a roof over my head, we kind of got to know each other a little bit more personally. And we had become very good friends. And she told me this amazing story about this, this artist that she had been in touch with in Norway, that they had, they had become very close and very good friends. And her dream of, sorry, motorcycle, but uh, her dream of going to, uh, to Norway to meet this artist. And it was, it was such an amazing, beautiful story. And this was right at the time when COVID really struck Brazil hard and she had actually gotten sick. So I kept telling her, I said, you know, if you can, if you can stay well and you can beat this and you can make it through it, I'll buy you your ticket to Norway. And her story was just so beautiful. And she shared all these personal, beautiful things with me. And the entire EP was written. The music that we'll be listening to today, how did you go about choosing it? Um, so as far as the music goes, um, these were two of the artists that I met. Uh, both uh, I met Rosanna Ball during COVID. And I was going around, I was finding these independent artists who I felt were really underrated and uh, who, who were not given the attention that they deserved. And, and I, I had come across her stuff. And I had heard a song called uh, City on Water uh, from uh, an album called Dust Off. And I listened to the entire album and I was like blown away and I loved it. And uh, so I wound up running it in my stories and Instagram and just saying, you know, this, for, for my money, this is like one of the most underrated artists of the month. And I was, I was just doing that for a while. I was finding these artists that uh, didn't necessarily have like a huge amount of followers, but... Um, um, to me, they were just fine artists, you know, and that prom- that prompted a uh, just an amazing friendship between uh, Rosanna and I. Now, did you meet Rosanna through Clubhouse as well? No, I actually met her on Instagram. Um, this was before Clubhouse even existed. <laughs> yeah, we just became very, very good friends. Um, later on, uh, during Clubhouse, uh, when I was in a room performing. I heard this artist come on and play something that sounded like it could have been written during, you know, medieval times. <laughs> you know, it was just so incredible and this amazing storyteller vibe to it. That's how I met uh, Elfenbow. So you chose some really uh, interesting artists. I really enjoyed uh, listening to their music. So first up, we're going to hear Elfenbow, which is the stage persona of singer-songwriter, visual artist Elizabeth Ann Jones. Here's a bit from the Elfenbow bio. Described by Shindig Magazine as lyrically astute and melodically inventive, Elfenbow's pastoral psych folk holds imagery that blends her twin passions of art and music. A strict 1970s church upbringing that frowned upon any kind of pop music was the catalyst for her quiet rebellion, and she saved her pocket money to buy her own radios to listen to covertly under the covers. <laughs> I love that. The discovery of yeah. trailblazers like PJ Harvey, Tori Amos, and Bjork flung the door wide open for her to find her own voice. Two successful crowdfunding campaigns enabled the release of her debut album, launched with a live session on BBC Radio Wales, and a single with the Fruits de Mer record label, recorded with the Scottish Session Symphony Orchestra. In stage outfits that interpret her lyrics, Elfin invites moments of musical magic in venues big and small. 
And Song Surfers, you should check out Elf and Bo's website, which will be linked in the show notes. You can see uh, a reel of those different stage outfits. We'll be listening to the song Daffodilly Down from the album Elf and Bo. Hey friends, John here. Is one of your New Year's resolutions to start a podcast? Well, you should. I can tell you it's fun. It's really rewarding. 
I can also tell you, though, that even a seemingly simple podcast can have so much behind the scenes that goes into it. But thankfully, there's Captivate, a podcast hosting platform that makes it easy to manage and monetize your podcast. With Captivate, you can create and distribute unlimited podcasts, get advanced analytics, monetize and promote in one simple, easy to use dashboard. Song surfing is hosted through Captivate. And what does that mean? So after I script and record an episode, I upload it to Captivate and they shoot the episode out along with the accompanying show notes and artwork to a ton of podcast players like Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, GeoSavin, Podchaser, Stitcher. All of the episodes are saved on the Captivate server too. So I don't have to worry about having a separate hosting site or creating RSS feeds, anything like that. They also provide multiple ways to share the episodes, so I haven't needed to futz around with creating smart links, and their player app for WordPress was super simple to add to songsurfingpodcast.com, and it works great. Other perks include a free website, a dynamic ads platform, and incredible customer service, like seriously incredible customer service. I think that last piece alone makes Captivate stand out from the rest. Try it out for yourself because they're running a special seven-day free trial. And be sure to click the referral link that's in the show notes. Okay, back to the music. Oh, 
Stephen, and I'd like to tell you about my podcast, English with Stephen. It's a podcast designed for English language learners. Each episode is less than 10 minutes and comes with a free transcript so that students can focus 100% on improving their English skills. The podcast is packed with tips for learning, stories about vocabulary, and reasons why English is the way it is. You can find the podcast on my site. EnglishWithSteven.com or on your favorite podcast app. I hope to speak to you soon. Hey, Song Surfers, welcome back. First in the block, we heard Elfin Bow with Daffodilly Down. And that was followed by Rosanna Ball's song Witnessing from the album Witnessing. So here's a little bit of Rosanna Ball's bio. She says, I'm a singer, songwriter, and multi instrumentalist originally from Cornwall, UK, and I've written and self released eight albums since 2007. It's very prolific. I'm also one half of a Johnny Cash tribute act, I'm June, and I tutor in guitar, mandolin, banjo, singing, bass, and ukulele. That keeps me busy. My influences are numerous, but perhaps the key players are Johnny Cash, Alanis Morissette, and Blink-182. Now that's a diverse group of influences right there. Yeah. She also says, I will say meeting John Silvers has been literally life-changing for me. He's such a sweet soul, incredibly talented and encouraging. And because of him, I try new things a lot more these days. In fact, it's no exaggeration to say I would not have released Witnessing had we not met, as I didn't believe I could mix and master anything good enough from home. He's awesome, and I'm glad you're chatting with him on the podcast. And then, oh, great. Now, yeah, yeah, isn't that nice to hear? Yeah, now she's going to make me ugly cry on the air. Great. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's audio only. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then I I thought um, Rosanna's description of the song was really interesting, too. About witnessing, she said, I wrote it whilst on holiday in Egypt in 2018. Me and my now husband went to Hergada on a little break, and the hotel had a bay that was full of beautiful sea life, but it was also littered with cigarette butts and ketchup packets. It was quite a bleak contrast to all the natural beauty the place had, so I just sat on the shore watching the tide go in and out, thinking about how sea life, and nature in general, doesn't really need us to shepherd it. It needs us to build out and stop harming it, or butt out and stop harming it. The chorus is ultimately me feeling honored to have seen what what I was able to see, especially as deep water scares the hell out of me. Thanks, Jaws. (laughs) Sense of humor, too. Yeah, Rosanna is what she is... If you ever talk to her live, she's one of the funniest people you will ever talk to. She literally makes me laugh on a daily basis. She's just so funny. 
So remember, Song Surfers, that the playlist for this episode, as well as the artist's preferred links to stream and purchase their music, can be found on the show notes page at songsurfingpodcast.com. All right, John, so let's talk a little bit about your songwriting process. Do you have a process? Is there stuff that you tend to do every time? How does it all work? I really decided to take my time with with what I was doing. And uh, a lot of times I'll I'll really just be inspired kind of by the moment and something that's happening at that moment. Like, like for instance, um, on on another point of us, uh, there's a song called And Then the Rain. And And Then the Rain was probably like one of the one of the worst nights of my life, I had gone to a, uh, my aunt's house, which I had been to so many times. And uh, it was weird because they looked at me different because they knew I was living out of my car. And she almost looked at me like she didn't want me there, you know. Wow. And that was that went from, you know, this person who always said, hey, you're my favorite person in the family to like, what are you doing here? It was crazy because I hadn't changed as a person. As a matter of fact, I was like donating time at a church and doing other things and so it was, I ran into a lot of that, which was very eye-opening. And I, I remember leaving her house and just kind of like crying, driving down the road. And then my wiper broke off my van and it was pouring rain and I couldn't see a thing. And so I was literally pulled over on the side of the road, probably for about an hour and a half because it was raining so hard and so nonstop. And, uh, and eventually I had to get out of the car into this like massive rain and pull off the wiper blade from my passenger side, put it onto my driver's side and hope for the best to get back to the place that I was staying for the winter time, which uh, it was uh, my aunt's mom's house, uh, my other aunt. And, uh, and it was an empty house. It was, uh, there was nobody there. It was like this empty house with not much in it. And I went into the back room and I, I, I sat down and I, I kind of opened up the window and I, it was just like almost no lighting except for the porch lighting outside. It was nighttime and I, I was watching the, uh, the water roll off the window. It was like, that was probably the lowest night I think I ever had while I was living in my car. It was just, that was just a devastating night. It was Christmas Eve, actually. It was just a and, series uh, of I, events that kick I, you in the teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And I was alone and I just, I grabbed my ukulele and I just started playing these chords. And then I just started kind of picking them out slowly. And that's how, and then the rain came. And before I knew it, it was written in like an hour. So uh, it's a lot of life experiences and a lot of really deep, just observing and watching people and things like that, that kind of go into my writing process. Is a lot of it playing by ear, finding ideas that you like, and then developing those? Yeah, I do a lot. I mean, I can, I can read music, of course, and I can write music, but I don't use it very often. Even though I can, most of it is exploring. I, I just love exploring musical ideas and to see like where the story is going to go. And I just kind of feel it out. And, and, you know, obviously, I mean, I, you know, I've got, you know, knowledge of the board and what I'm playing and everything else, and, you know, like any other musician. But, but I, I, I like to experiment with a lot of sounds and I like to experiment with a lot of different tunings. You know, sometimes you'll see something that I play where it literally looks like every chord I'm hitting is like a single finger, you know, <laughs> because I'm using these very odd tunings and it, it frustrates the hell out of people who uh, have tried to like copy one of my videos or something because they can't figure out what it is I'm doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about your film scoring, um, but can you give us a glimpse into how actually writing music to a company a movie would work? 
Yeah, um, one of the things that I found is, is it's, it's very different because as to where what I would normally do is I would write a piece that has a beginning and a middle and an ending to where it would fit in really nicely with like a short film. When you're writing a score for like a longer film, you really have to hold back a lot of what you would normally do. Because rather than telling this entire whole story with the track, you you find yourself having to, for lack of a better term, almost like kind of dumb it down a little bit, which is, uh, you know, that's not even an insult. It's just kind of like a visual, like you just have to, it's like, I'm going to not play these notes and not do this. And I'm going to let this breathe and understand that I'm, I'm assisting in telling the story. I'm not telling the story. The visual is already there. So you gotta like pay homage to the visual and make sure that everything is flowing together. Yeah. Maybe at the best making what's on screen, uh, elevating that, right? Deepening the emotion or tell, helping exactly. to tell the story uh, on another level. I think one of the things that I do is, which is probably different from what a lot of other people would, would do. I can't say everyone because, you know, I, I don't know, but I really focus on like the facial features of the character. Oh, wow. And I, I really try to look at what they're feeling in that scene and what, what they're actually, what that would sound like. Like, how would, how would I give that a noise or a sound or, you know? So we're going to be listening to one of your songs to close things out, or one of your compositions, I should say. Um, how do you say the title of this? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, it's Esperanca, although I've always said uh, Esperanza. <laughs> but uh, I've been corrected by uh, my friend Kimberly so many times, and I don't think I ever get it right. Uh, as far this is in as, Portuguese. Yes, it's in Portuguese. As far as I know, it is Esperanca is the correct pronunciation, and it means hope. So what should we listen for, or how should we listen to this? So um, probably one of the most interesting things, and, and I think this is a, a really good thing to kind of talk about with this track, is um, I had met this wonderful artist in uh, Norway who goes by the name of Dossie, but her real name's Ingrid, and, and she's just a sweetheart of a human being. And I've gotten to know her and talk to her. And I, I was listening to a song of hers. I had, I had just done three tracks for uh, Kimmy's Hope. I had one track left to make it an EP. <laughs> and I wasn't sure where I was going. And I, I, I knew that I wanted it to focus around Hope, but I just wasn't sure how to get there musically. And I listened to a song of hers called Girl. And it just had this most wonderful, beautiful melody line and what i did was i kind of stripped that away and i took the under melody of the song to create the basis of this song you can imagine it's like instrumental film composer using something from someone who's an indie like pop artist and that's what i love about music it's like if you're open musically you can get inspiration from anywhere and anyone Awesome. All right. So we're going to be hearing Esperanca by John Silvers. And tell us the name of the EP again. Uh, the name of the EP is uh, Kimmy's Hope, uh, Duas Flores Umoceano, which means two flowers, one ocean. And Song Surfers, remember to check that out in the show notes at songsurfingpodcast.com. Go listen to all of John Silvers' music. Um, John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a lot of fun talking. Yeah, John, it was really, really nice to meet you. And, uh, yeah, just like uh, Derek had told me, you were a really nice guy, and, and he was right. And uh, 
Thank you. I, I was actually like a kind of honored to be asked to be on. And uh, I, I love I love what you're doing. Like I've listened to the shows and, you know, I just, oh, yeah, keep well, thank keep you. doing what you're doing, please. Because things like that make a difference in the world and people don't realize that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, little known secret, I actually pay Derek to say complimentary things about me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I take back everything I ever said then. But uh, no, this has been wonderful, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I feel better for it. I feel better for doing this. So, thank you so much. Awesome. Before we get out of here, where can people find your music? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, they can find my music on Spotify or any other platform. I'm actually on all of them. I have a series of EPs coming up uh, that's going to be under the title The North Cafe, and each one of them is going to have a different volume name. So volume one is uh, volume one is Nicole's Hot Tea, <laughs> and uh, I'm just I'm I'm kind of doing this new shift to where I found a good solid uh, beginning for this project, and I have a feeling it's going to be ongoing. I think everything is just going to fall under the North Cafe from now on. Oh, that's exciting. When do you anticipate that first one will be released? The first one, I would say, just with the film scoring and stuff that I'm, I wanted to have it out by July. I'm thinking more along the lines of August, early September. Thanks again, John. Take care. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
All right, that does it for another episode of Song Surfing. Thanks for listening. You can reach out at songsurfingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to tell me about an artist or band, uh, or if you just want to say hi. If you're listening on Spotify, check out the super enormous Song Surfing Podcast Excellent Tunes playlist. It includes all the songs featured on the show so far, at least the ones that are up on Spotify, uh, and it would make the perfect accompaniment to your socially distanced outdoor gathering, or maybe a long drive, like a seven-hour long drive. Or maybe you just had a baby, and you need something to occupy your mind in between feedings and naps, something to keep you from going slowly mad. That's linked in the show notes, or you can just search on Spotify to search song surfing. The opening theme of the show is Living in a Fishbowl by Josh Ween. That's linked in the show notes. Also linked in the show notes is the music you're hearing right now. That's Little Pills by Patrick Moonbird. It's available on all major streaming platforms. See you next next time. Thank you.